Hello and welcome to the final whistle on Blue Gold Radio Sunday. We're starting a little early tonight, uh, just as our other shows ran a little uh, a little short today. So we're tuning in a little early. Um, thank you for uh, joining us on this wonderful Sunday evening. This this chilly Sunday evening. We missed you guys. Uh, we missed you guys last week, but it's good to be back. Uh, how are you guys doing? Doing pretty good today. Um, Packers might not lose for once, which is hey, kind of uh, kind of crazy this year. The, the first first game at home in a month. You know, you expect them to win these games. You Mike McCarthy hope. returns. Yeah. So, oh. so you know, a little bit of a little bit of a headline yeah. there. Yeah. Packers are kicking a field goal on second goal, by the way. Oh. For some okay. For some reason, it's overtime. Yeah, there's still two minutes left. Mason no, loves the spot. Oh, the, the game will be. Yep. Okay. Yeah, 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 I was um, attention to that. For me, I'm on cloud nine. Uh, Vikings biggest win. We'll wait, to wait, wait, we'll to in, in wait, to wait to take away time. our, our okay, moment. We'll get to improving that. to let four them, and six. Let them have their <laughs> let them have their four and six. You know whatever. At least not we beat McCarthy. Us. That's just the fun. Congratulations. McCarthy Thank can't you. win in Green Bay. That's we know that for a fact. <laughs> That's right. He couldn't when he was with the Packers. Okay, now now you guys can talk about the Vikings. Uh, we'll get to the Vikings. Vikings are a little later. We'll get to that. Okay, um, but to start. Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna cut us off here in a little bit at the top of the hour. But you are listening to uh, 89.7 WEC Eau Claire, and this is the final whistle on Blue Gold Radio Sunday. Uh, Nolan came in hot, wanted to talk about his college basketball start. Um, hmm. We're like two games in for a lot of teams so far. Um, you know, I've before you get going, I just I have I got a bone to pick with college basketball this early. Okay, okay. I I do enjoy college basketball. I'm much more of a casual college basketball fan. Um, I don't think college basketball to the casual fan is very important until at least midway through the season. I agree. In my opinion. So I I agree with you guys. I, I 100% do. I think that that for any team other than a team like an NFL team that only plays 16 games a year, I think that's true for everything. Absolutely. The Brewers, you know, they started off really hot in – in April, they didn't even make the playoffs. Well, baseball's the best example because right. that's the 162, 162 game season. Games. So yeah. long. The the Phillies were minus 500 or under 500 uh, at the end of June, oh, and they made the World coach. Series. So it doesn't matter. Our until Phillies, March. our Phillies lost. <laughs> yeah, that was that, rough. That was sad. I'm gonna argue that it actually is more important to watch the beginning of the season here. Okay, just because that's when the actual good matchups happen. Gonzaga mm. plays their not week schedule, as everybody likes to say. And it's like sometimes tournament matchups. So if they played previously, you okay. can see who's good and who's not. That is true. I agree with you, Brayden. However, it really makes it hard in like March when we're trying to pick these upsets. You know, will Gonzaga lose in like Sweet Sixteen, whatever, whatever. It it just makes it so hard to pick because we haven't seen them play anybody good. So I really wish that in that tense, that college basketball would switch up conference play at some points. You know, yeah. maybe maybe give people maybe give them like a week of non-conference. The, the problem is is that traditionally uh, in college sports, you always start the year non-conference and you finish the year in your conference, and then you lead into the conference playoffs and, and so on. It and works so with forth. scheduling a lot it's better. So too. right, it's so hard to not do that at the beginning. But in a in in something like, I, I think it's different with college football because league wide. The the best teams are in the best conferences and they yeah. play the best opponents. 
in one, their conference. One loss in college football for a top team right. is huge. But when it comes to college basketball, you're getting the best teams from every random conference all over the place, from the big conferences, from the small conferences, whatever. You know, for, unlike football, the Big Ten's a much weaker, well, I shouldn't say much weaker, but it is a little bit weaker in college basketball and things like that. And it's it's... It, it, it really, I mean, it adds to the fun of March, though, because you really are, dro- you know, drawing straws at that point. You're just 100%. like, I don't know, they haven't played a good team since the first week of the year. But I, that also, there's so much that changes between the first week and the last week that I just don't know that, that these games matter quite as much. You know, I, no, I just, like what we said before, I agree with you that these games don't necessarily matter that much. It's just, you know, the fever of it. Haven't had any college basketball since March. Just a couple of teams that... I'd like to get into, you know, like we are a Big Ten state. Minnesota's a Big Ten state. Mm-hmm. We are Big Ten. Purdue kind of looks like they could be a problem. Mm. Just the, I know what Braden's going to say. He's leaning in the mic right now. They haven't played anybody good yet. No, no, that's not what I was going to say. Okay. I was okay. going to say Purdue always looks good for the first two-thirds of the year, and then they always, uh, there's like a game or two in Big Ten play. Why'd we lose this one? And then gets to the tournament, and they're out in the Sweet 16 every year, so... That is true. That is true. I just, after watching him the first couple games, Zach Eady does not look good. However, he's like seven foot five. So he's going to be a problem for anybody who is looking to drive and score a yeah, lot. You know, you know who else is massive that doesn't look that good is like Taco Fall. Just because you're big doesn't mean you're a problem. Well, yeah. They but did almost upset Duke. That's fair. Yeah. Um, Moses Bull, Bull Bull's brother, plays for University of Milwaukee. Yeah. He couldn't do anything against Zach Eady. And I mean, he's not very good to begin How with. How big is Moses Bull? Like 7'2 or something like yeah, that. But Zach Eady's like 7'5. So crazy. Yeah. Just to, just to build on that, David Jenkins is a transfer from Utah. And Purdue doesn't necessarily match up as a really, really good shooting team. He shoots around 40% from three. And then they also recruited Braden Smith, who is Mr. Indiana. And he won the national three-point contest last year for high schoolers. So they might be a better shooting team than they have been. I just think that that's an interesting take. Hold that thought. Let me just cut you off. It is the top of the hour. So you are listening to 89.7 WECO. Claire, this is the final whistle on Blue Gold Radio Sunday. Continuing with that. That is a good little transition. That's pretty much all I had to say for Purdue. They look good. They've added shooters. Bredo wants to add something about Uh, Purdue. I was just going to say that um, they're – Guards look really good at um, getting the ball moved around and assisting. I think they the game we watched, they had so many nice passes down low where it would either be behind the back or alley-oops and stuff. And I know it was against a lesser opponent, but it'll be an interesting test to uh, see on Tuesday when they play Marquette, who's actually brought a lot of their guys back and looks pretty solid so far. So I was driving home yesterday, and I was listening to the J.J. Redick podcast, and he was kind of talking about how if your team doesn't have a really good chemistry, it really doesn't matter how much talent your team has. So seeing that Purdue potentially already has a lot of chemistry, just just kind of interesting there. So just kind of moving on. Wisconsin, through the first couple of games, they've looked they've looked competent through the first two games of the season. They've played Stanford, uh, you know, some lesser opponents, South Dakota. Uh, the offense is really running through Chucky Hepburn and Tyler Wall. And Connor Segan is Connor Segan's a good ad. He's a shooter. He, I think that he will win us some games. Um, however, he shoots no matter what, so he might lose us some games. Max Klesmet, transfer. He is originally from Wisconsin. He played 17 minutes against Stanford. It was cool to see him get out on the floor. He actually started, so he didn't do much. He had 
no points. He had one assist. He had three boards, but he is out there. He did play good against South Dakota at the beginning of the year, and he played for Wofford last year and actually played really good against teams like Duke. So he is a very nice ad for the Badgers this season. I definitely agree. Just rounding out the uh, our little ad of college basketball for your Sunday night, the projected bracketology one seeds by Joe Lenardi are Gonzaga, North Carolina, Houston, and Kentucky. A couple notable one seed replacements to start the season could be Texas, Baylor, UCLA, and Tennessee. Hmm. All right, that is what I have for college basketball today. Interesting. Well, what if we just move on over a sport to college football a little bit here? Uh, Obviously, the college football playoffs are starting to kind of take form. We're starting to get some projections of what what it's going to be. To my excitement, probably not Alabama. Really great. That that makes me happy. I'm tired of seeing them dominate. And probably dominate Clemson, too. Probably not Clemson. Uh, it's good to see some newer teams, TCU, in there. It's good to see Michigan having such a good year, especially after uh, Harbaugh almost left and then came back and, and made a big commitment to that team. And, and it's really paying off for them. Um, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a really interesting—I mean, you still have Georgia. You still have Ohio State. That's very typical— uh, outside of that, it's been a, it's kind of fun to see to see the 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 parody in this. I, I was just about to say the parody is like really interesting to watch because it's teams you don't usually see and it's like teams you can get behind and root for to win a championship who yeah. haven't in a while. Yeah. But at the same time, this is where like the NCAA ESPN who runs the playoff will right. say, "Oh, well, you guys were complaining about different teams not getting in. Look at the last two years where different teams got in. Why do we need to expand expand the playoff?" Even though I think they are doing that still, so. it, it sounds like it's still in it, in the works to expand the playoffs. I think they said it's not going to happen until 2026 or whatever. I it was, yeah, 2026. Oh, yeah, it's the end of whatever contract they have yep. currently, um, and then uh, it, it's expanded. I think 12. Teams? Yeah, it's 12 team okay. playoff. Yeah, uh, but but again, as of now, really exciting to see some teams. Uh, so because of that, I'm kind of all in on rooting for TCU to to finish the year strong because I think that's the uh, the though they're a nationally known team, the smallest of the nationally yeah. known teams that are in it. Like Harbaugh's are always had Michigan as a as a you know contender, na- nationally known team. I don't even know contender. They yeah. they, they underperformed Just a name l- brand. It's interesting because Michigan's underperformed a ton under Harbaugh, at least for their expectations. Very similar to kind of the Badgers, where you come in with very high expectations, like this is going to be the year, and then they always always disappoint. They're playing out of their minds this year, and it's going to be a really great matchup when Ohio State and Michigan end up playing. Is that this weekend? No, next rivalry week? no, week's next weekend. Yeah, yeah. Okay. the weekend after. Okay. That should be very fun to watch. It's going to be a really fun game at Ohio State, though. That's, yeah. that's big to note that it is at Ohio State. Thoughts on, on college football playoffs, boys? So, um, oh, go no, ahead. You go, you go, Chris. All right, so uh, I'd say as of right now, it looks like Georgia's a a lock. Uh, I don't think anyone can really see them losing their final two weeks. They're already in the SEC championship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they destroyed Tennessee the last weekend when we missed our show. They've really shown a complete side of both sides of the ball. I don't think anyone's questioning their, if they're legit or not. Uh, for the Big Ten, uh, it really comes down to Ohio State and Michigan, who wins uh, in two weeks. Um you know, uh, I think a lot of people with the ex, uh, how explosive uh, Ohio State's offense is is picking them to make the college football playoffs currently. But, you know, Michigan obviously won last year in the rivalry in Michigan. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they play in, o- 
in Ohio, and I really think they could go out and win that game. And, you know, unless they lose in the Big Ten championship, I think they have a very good chance of uh, making the college football playoff. And really, I mean, LSU, I mean, who knows? If they if they can at least compete with Georgia in the SEC championship. Not nah, they wouldn't make it because they'd have three losses then, and Tennessee blew them oh, out early in oh, the season. So yes. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it really depends on the SEC championship. The Pac-12 always shoots themselves in the foot. Last night, UCLA lost and Oregon lost, basically destroying all of their hopes. Uh, and it's, it will be interesting to see how it uh, comes down, uh, you know, in the final couple of weeks of college football. Speaking of it, not not necessarily looking into the college football playoffs, but but Washington's been a big surprise this year. They had a blowout win uh, last night, and, and they've been playing really well. It's just been the last couple of weeks because they were kind of off the radar for a while. Yeah. They were ranked early in the season because they had a couple good wins. Then they had like two losses or three losses that kind of set them back, and now they've been beating good teams again. So like Chris said, the, the um, Pac-12 has really been beating up on themselves. Besides USC, who really hasn't played anybody yet, and the one team they did play in Utah kind of beat them pretty easily. So I don't even know if they're worthy of going to the playoff either. But I, I just kind of want to like shed a little bit of light on, I know we talked about it a couple minutes ago, but TCU only giving up 10 points to Texas. I know Texas is 6-4 and four and they've had their struggles, but Quinn Ears has looked pretty good, and they held him to 17 for 39 for 171 yards and one pick, no touchdowns. Yeah, that's they, crazy impressive. They have three points with only a couple minutes left in the fourth. They that's really shut down. Very I, All season, very the analysts have been saying TCU has no defense and like they're only reliant on their offense and that sort of thing, but this game kind of proves with them as the was a 10.5-point underdog or 14-point underdog. It was something like that that they came into Austin and then they took care of business and that they've been continuing to do that all season, that they're legitimately a team that should be in the playoff at this moment. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else to add on college football playoffs? Um, predictions for the playoff? Oh, man. I just, like, I kind of wanted to bring this up as well. Michigan, number three, obviously they pounded Nebraska, but I think it's always important when you play a team that is way lesser talent-wise that you show that you can beat them bad. So I think that Michigan would probably be in my my top four at the moment. Like one, two, three, four, go. Oh, man. Um, I'm going Georgia. I am putting Tennessee in there as well. Michigan and TCU. So my top four when the season's over would be Georgia, Ohio State, TCU, and then Tennessee. Okay, I'm going to go a little bit of a wild card here. Uh, Georgia number one, no doubt. Um, I'm going to put Ohio State and Michigan in the college football playoffs. Uh, it's, I think it's going to be competitive Big Ten championship where the committee thinks that both of them are qualified to uh, to move on. And then as my fourth seed or fourth team in, I'm going to go with I'm thinking between two teams. I'm going to go with TCU. Yeah, I I really like. I was I was in a, in the same boat as you, Chris. I really I think it. I think there's a decent chance that that. Uh, things stay so competitive between Ohio State and Michigan that the committee is just like, these are the best two teams available to put in there rather than trying to find someone outside of the Big Ten. I'm going to go Georgia, Ohio State, 
Michigan and TCU. The committee loves putting in two SEC teams though, because they, they do. ESPN but, but owns. That's, sure, they do. But but there's some Big Ten. Big Ten stock has been slowly rising a lot in a lot has, of different and things. Michigan has helped with that, honestly, making Absolutely. the playoff last year. So. And it 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 adds to you know you're not going to get Alabama again, and so you can't get the Alabama Georgia rivalry going. But you can get another rivalry in there, and you can get the the Ohio State Michigan one, and that no, would be. I like huge. that idea because you know having Duke North Carolina in the Final Four this year, mm-hmm. why not have another rivalry game in this Final it's, Four? It's so. it's perfectly written to like have hey you know what let's get the Final Four with with some rivalry game the crowds are going to be nuts it would be awesome if yeah. they do that they I just really hope that they have them play each other round one instead of making us hope that they both make the championship yeah. Agreed. So agreed. That would just that would just make it awesome, and I believe that if TCU does go undefeated, they'll still just make them the fourth seed. Probably. Yeah. 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 So, Sadly. which which I think you know bodes well though for for that matchup, which would be really fun. So, but moving on from college football, uh, our last little quick hit of the evening. Um, one person in the NFL is still sitting there with his name out in the radar, but. But where in the world is Odell Beckham, and where in the world is he going to end up? I mean, we've been talking about him since the Super Bowl, you know, tearing his ACL or ACL, correct? I think that's what it was. I couldn't remember if it was that Achilles or Achilles. Tearing his ACL, knew he was going to hit free agency. People thought he was going to be signed in the offseason. He's still sitting there waiting on his team's butt. As of, I believe, yesterday or two days ago, a list did come out. I don't know what the source was on the list, but a list was put out. Uh, and it had the Giants, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the 49ers, and the Bills on it. I'd be curious to see if he still sees the Bills as an option after a little bit of a falter here. So that that, that well, that AFC East is getting it's it's looking tight now. The NFC so he has better. less. I think he has less of a chance to make the the playoffs and or Super Bowl coming out of the AFC East, in so, my opinion. I so agree. My quick uh, just opinion on this. Uh, you know, we'll talk about the Bills later, and I'm very excited to. Um, but <laughs> with them losing today, I don't know if you guys saw this. They're in third place in the NFC East or AFC East, excuse wow. me. After losing to the Dolphins and Jets, it's just they're super both competitive. Yeah, both. Uh, I mean, third place. It's hard to believe. Um, you know, the Niners. Does he really want to have the ball thrown to him by uh, Jimmy Garoppolo? I mean, it's, but it's it's not about. The quarterback for him, it's about the easiest path to a Super Bowl. I, and everyone's aware of that. He's playing bandwagon here, and he's yeah. hopping on whatever his best opportunity so, is. Playing bandwagon, I don't think anyone's arguing that the NFC is much weaker than the AFC. I think he goes to the Chiefs. I, I was going to say, think his best the, chance, I think it's going to be Niners <clears throat> or Chiefs will be his I, final I, The Niners are 4-4. Four and four. I Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but... They have so many we- offensive weapons, and their defense is usually solid. That it's about they, what they're kind of building. So I th- I think he's going to choose an NFC team, but of the teams he listed, Giants. I mean, obviously he started his career there. Danny Dimes, no way. Also he goes not back to the exactly. Giants, right? I don't think anyone's thinking they're a true contender. The Cowboys just lost today to the Packers. Obviously, they have an elite defense. Maybe he thinks he can, you know, join them and do something special. Jerry mentioned how. Odell would look great in a Cowboys jersey just earlier earlier this week. He so would say I would that about any Jerry player. fantasizes about every and good player I, being so in a Cowboys. Th- I think that's my pick right now is the Cowboys. The Chiefs, they just have so many. I mean, they just traded for Darius Tony. 
They have McCole Hardman. They have Marcus Valdez-Scantling. You know, Juju got injured today. They also have Travis. It's just too many mouths to feed. See, with that, though, the thing is, if Odell gets hurt, they have so many options where they could still make the Super Bowl, and he still gets a ring. That's and can true. Say he's a champion. So. MVS also got injured today. Just a little food for thought. A lot of there openings. you go. Odell can actually play. And, a lot of opening. You know, the Bills looked, you know, vulnerable today a little bit. I mean, it's the it's a tough AFC East and yeah. a tough AFC. I'm curious because it, it's interesting because the only team that stands out in that as the easiest path is the Chiefs because they're in the weakest division of them and they are set. The rest, which is what's so bizarre to me, is the Giants and the Cowboys are both in the NFC East, which is as much as the Giants are starting to pull away a little bit, or, or the Eagles and the Giants are starting to pull away a little bit from the, the Cowboys, it's crazy competitive, and he doesn't even have the, the Eagles on his list. Maybe they're not interested. I don't know. Well, but that, you know, why go to the NFC East? Why go to the AFC East? Because that just got more competitive. Why go to the NFC West? Because just as much as it's not, no one's super great out there, it's competitive in the fact that there's not a lot of teams really fighting, like, pulling away there. And and the Chiefs are really the one where it's like, that's your best option. My just last thought on this, if you take a look at his decision, well, can't really say decision since he was traded, but, you know, you did He's work going with— to South Beach. He did work with uh, Cleveland last year deciding where he <laughs> wanted to go. Uh, if you Beach, we've heard that. <laughs> if, if you take a look at what the Rams were last year, obviously had a better record than the Cowboys, but they had a true number one wide receiver in Cooper Cup. They had a decent uh, receiving core past that, the Tyler Higby, Robert Woods, whatever. If you take a look at this year's Cowboys, you know Dak was injured for a couple games. They've looked a little rough at times, uh, but C.D. Lamb is their number one. I he had. A lot of yards today, yeah. roughly 125, I believe. Looked good. He wouldn't be the number one wide receiver. He'd, he'd probably be their number three. I th- either two or three, and I think he'd be okay with it. I, that's what he coming was last off, year. Coming off the injury, I don't think he outplaces it's, Gallup. My my pick is the Cowboys. I think it's he's choosing him a weak really? NFC conference and thinks that's an easy way with an elite think defense. Oh, that weak, I think everyone needs to hold on a minute because Nolan has sat here silently with a lot of facial expressions, and he really wanted to butt in about the Giants of the Giants. all teams. So I just started thinking about it when— So I've, I just want to back up. I've thought that he's going to go to the Giants for about two weeks. Why? So you talked about, you know, why wouldn't the Eagles be interested, and that just made me start thinking— OBJ got traded to the Rams because they're a team that was looking strictly for talent. I really don't think that there's much of a culture in L.A. It's yeah. just a place where people went. They wanted a ring. They made it happen. Similar to what happened in Tampa Bay right. Brady's first year. Right. So we're going through these lists of teams. I believe that the Bills have an insanely good culture. Yes. They have Gabriel Davis, Stephon Diggs, Isaiah McKenzie, really good receiving core. Why would you want to mess with that chemistry, yep. yeah. with that culture, with – Somebody who's as polarizing as OBJ is. Sure. The Niners just brought in CMC. There's a lot going on there. Why would you want to bring another guy in there? In my opinion, they might just want to say, you know what, we're just going to grab everybody we can. But I don't think that he'd want to do that since the Niners are 4-4. Four and four. Even though they could make a wild card, even though they still could potentially win that division, I don't feel like San Fran would be a place where he'd want to go. The Chiefs are interesting because I don't really feel like there is a big culture there. It's just like, you know, Patty's going to win these games for us. Yeah, right. So I, I feel like the Chiefs are a good spot. I don't think that the Cowboys are their third in their division, very competitive division. And the reason why I like the Giants is because 
Brian Dayball has created a culture there. Right. And I feel like OBJ really enjoyed his his rookie seasons with the Giants. Yeah, but he left with such a sour taste in his mouth. He he was frustrated and and wanted Punch to try something else. He, he 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 kicked. What was it? He kicked the the, the, the net, kicking the, net, the, the oh, kicking yeah. net. Like he he had so much frustration in in New York. And as much as they're seven and two, um, I think they've looked weak in some of their games. I think that there's still just like the Vikings for a lot of the season. There's been a lot of questions of like. Do, but have they deserved to be seven and two? You know they're playing the Commanders twice a year. They're playing a Cowboys team that, just as usual, is probably more of a pretender than a contender. Like, it are is they are they truly as good as they think they are, or is he going to get there and just get frustrated again because Danny Dimes is is missing him? I mean, they already tried to bring in Kenny Galladay as as their next kind of stud receiver, and it it is totally flopped. He's been terrible. He was back off injury today, did nothing. He like. They've tried with big receivers ever ever since then. They've been succeeding with a bunch of no-name guys and a bunch of guys coming in off of injuries and stuff like that to fill those gaps, and it's worked, and they've leaned on Saquon Barkley. I don't know that that's going to be a a good— Like, he wants—as much as he wants to win a Super Bowl, he got so many, so many red zone targets in L.A., and he's not going to get that opportunity as much in New York. I think he gets a ton in Kansas City— because one, you're they're still trying to find a way to fill the void left by the Tyreek Hill trade. Juju's been okay. Now he's hurt. Scant uh, Valdez Scantling, he's the one. He he went to the Chiefs, right? He just got hurt. He's also kind of mediocre. Mediocre. They made a trade for Tony, but he's still got a lot of a lot of development to do. And you kind of sit there and you're you're like, they still kind of could use a go-to guy, and. OBJ might fit that mold perfectly, in my opinion. I think that you bring up a lot of good points, and I think that the Chiefs are a serious contender for OBJ. However, I think just over this year, I've I've noticed that there are two new head coaches that really seem that they know what they're doing. And to me, that's Robert Sala with the Jets. Seems like he's building a culture there, really building an insanely good defense, in my opinion. And that's Brian Dable. So oh, if, I'm just going to skip over whoa, Kevin yeah, O'Connell whoa. Here. And that's Brian Dable. We're gonna skip Whoa. over. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> All right, Jack, are you wow. ready? Skipping over Kevin O'Connell, eight I, one Vikings. He's got this. Okay. Oh. I, I think <laughs> that. Can I? Can I finish? Go um, for it. I think that the Vikings are a very good team, and I think that they're the the second best team in the NFC. However, I Kevin O'Connell hasn't proven it to me yet. Oh that's my just, God. That's just it. Packer fans. That's just it. Oh, so uh, you're going with the Giants. Is it? I'm, I'm going with the Giants. I think that if OBJ comes, it's because Brian Dayball believes that he's a good fit. And I think that Brian Dayball is a good head coach. Well, with that being said, you're listening to 89.7 WUECO Claire. This is the final whistle on Blue Gold Radio Sunday. Had to get that in uh, as as some frustration comes out here because uh, just the lack of respect. Yeah. All right. You know. We we as Viking fans sat through so many good Packer seasons and 
and ripped on him, but still said the Packers are the better team. I I <laughs> want to go on record and say the Vikings are 100% the better team. Oh, okay, well, that's pretty obvious here. Yeah, when you, okay, <laughs> okay. But it's better, it's better when you guys sit there and rip on the Packers yeah, and still say they're the yeah, better team. Yeah. When, when you said we're going to say the uh, second best team in the NFC, I thought you were about to say second best team in the NFC North, too, just to, just to rub it in more. But, that would have been but awesome. anyways, today's Vikings game... Um, I, I'm not gonna lie. The first half frustrated me a oh, ton. It's... I thought, I thought, you know what? This is gonna be a big game where we just we take our second loss. They're just Bills are the better team. They're the best team in the NFL. And then, in typical Viking fashion, I remember I was sitting with my dad. He came to town, and I just said, "This looks as as we entered the fourth quarter. I said, this looks like every other Vikings game this year, where they yep. just didn't look as good throughout the game, but somehow they're finding a way to come down to the end and and win it. And that's exactly what they did." It, you know, it was a roller coaster this afternoon. Yeah, was. Uh, I was so close to tears uh, in terms of losing and winning. Uh, you know, first half going down seventeen. Uh, I thought it was a bad decision to pass on third and one uh, near the end of this uh, first half. Uh, we did not convert fourth and one. We decided to pass again, giving the ball back to Josh Allen, and they came back and they scored, putting us down seventeen at half. Uh, at Buffalo, uh, with Buffalo being up 14 or more points, they had not lost a game since 1964. Wow. I did not know that stat. Vikings came back from 17 today. You know, first half was shaky. I don't think people are talking enough about how elite the Vikings are on the first drive of the game. They score... I think I saw 42 points on their first drive after today. Pretty good with five. Hey, that that coach Kevin O'Connell is pretty good at scripting some drives. Isn't can he? I can I just come clean really quickly? Yeah, let's hear. It. I I forgot Kevin O'Connell's first year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll give you that. That's fair. He, That's fair. he looks he looks really good. Um, <laughs> I I don't I don't want to I don't want to be the guy that says that Kevin O'Connell isn't doing a great job because obviously like they're they're in my opinion. Like, I've been talking all day about culture. When you see Kirk doing the dance on the plane with the chains on, it seems like the Vikings really could build something here. It's it's so interesting because, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers has become a very polarizing figure. You either really like him or you really don't. And that's clearly something happening in the locker room, too, where he's got, like, Bakhtiari and him are best buddies, but there's kind of a lack of a relationship with a lot of these young receivers. Kirk Cousins you know, through COVID was polarizing in that he was, he was politically polarizing. He was, uh, you know, he wasn't getting vaccinated. So there were a lot of issues with that. Same with Adam Thielen. Thielen. Like there, there was a pocket of players in that team who were, were taking very different stances on the COVID thing than a lot of other players. And with Mike Zimmer, there was clearly a lot of split there. And now, regardless of everything, put all that behind you, you get this new culture in and they're loving him. You're seeing these videos in the plane afterwards. Everyone's dancing with him, having a good time with him. Like it just feels like a completely different, non-polarized culture right now. And I think a lot of that comes from Kevin O'Connell personally. Um, they are, and we, we talked about this uh, a few weeks ago when we talked about regression to the mean. And if anything, this is more progression to the mean where they are winning all these games by one score. And last year, they're losing all these games by one score. And we're finally seeing the flip side of all those where they are finishing. And 
even if we can say all we want, you know, that last drive for the Vikings, they didn't finish. You're right. They, they didn't finish on, on at the goal line. They Their defense came out and they finished the game. And that wasn't happening in, in last year either, where sometimes the offense would put the team up and the defense wasn't finishing. I think that you kind of teed that one up for me a little bit before the show we were talking about, yeah. like, the Vikings game. And the first thing that I said was I think that while, you know, they did come back from 17, something that was very telling to me was with 10 seconds left in the game, you're on the one, you get an offsides on the Bills. Yeah. The entire right side of the field is open. Kirk is staring at the left side of the field. Yeah. Yep. Like, they're, I understand Kirk is better, and I've always been a Kirk stan on the show, but— it just doesn't really seem like he was very ready for that moment. Yeah, yeah, and and I'll give you that. I think I, I personally thought they choked away multiple opportunities that they got a whole. I mean, so much of it goes back. First of all, you missed that extra point, which which puts you in a situation where you have to score down at the goal line. You could have put a chip shot in and sent it to overtime anyways, uh, but you missed that extra point partway through the game. And then you, what I was so frustrated with was like. You you get down to uh, first and goal because of a beautiful pass to Justin Jefferson to the three-yard line. And then you hand the ball off and lose four yards. It happens. I get it. And then you pass it, and Kirk Cousins has to be aware that you can't take a sack in that situation and push yourself back even more. That's exactly what he does. You need to find a way to get that ball away. In so, some way, shape, or form, that ball needs to be out of your hands so you are not losing any more yards. And he didn't do, didn't do that, and then they got... They got saved by the next two plays to get him up to the goal line and still choked it away. And But again, to my point, despite those things happening, despite Kirk Cousins this year having one of his worst statistic seasons, uh, worst seasons statistically so far, despite their kicker still having issues like the Vikings always do, this team is 8-1, and one, and they've found ways to win games. Patrick Peterson had two interceptions in that game. They were both clutch. Justin Jefferson had one of the most unbelievable catches That's I've I wanted ever to yeah, I've seen. Me too. And he he dominated that entire game. And and there are just so many other bright spots where when some players are, are, are floundering, other players are picking it up. And that's what's so different about this team than before. Can I ask you two, what is your confidence level right now on the Minnesota Vikings potentially making a Super Bowl run. Oh, here. Super Bowl run. Okay. That's different. My confidence, <laughs> my confidence in the team to, you know, compete in every game they're in sky high. Through the roof. Yeah. Sky high. I I took my shirt off after the win. I was so excited. <laughs> I, you know, multiple times in the game I thought we had lost and I thought we had won. But we kept on battling back and that, that's what's important. I was a huge doubter before this game, if I'm being 100% honest. We won by three points last week against the Commanders. The Commanders, I mean, I don't think anyone would think the, after last week's game, the Vikings would be, you know, I mean, sure, some people are saying Super Bowl contenders, but in all reality, as a Vikings fan, I didn't truly believe it just because all the games that we had played in previously— were like the game we played today, which I thought was just because we were getting lucky against some bad teams, uh, some mediocre teams. But today we came out, we were down 17 late in the third quarter. We rallied back. We, you know, Dalvin Cook, you know, put together a great really game, great really game. 84 yeah. yard run for Eight a touchdown. Eight and a half a carry. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, TJ Hawkinson was 
there when we needed him. Adam Thielen made some nice uh, catches, you know, on the two drives that really, uh, you know, helped us, I mean, tie the game and eventually get a lead and whatever. But, you know, Justin Jefferson had 180-something yards, 190-something. And a touchdown. And a touchdown. Yeah. Incredible catch. I mean, the fourth and—it was fourth and 18. The Bills knew I it was going to come. could not believe that. That may be legitimately the best catch I've ever it, seen. I, Same. Yeah. I agree. I, I was shocked. I was in awe. I, I mean, my parents—I was home the weekend— my parents thought the game was over, you know, fourth and 18. My parents walked yeah. away and I was shouting at the top of my lungs because yeah. even from live playing that I mean, the TV, it did. It looked like it was intercepted. Yeah. The OBJ catch, you watch that catch and you're like, OK, oh, wow. He caught that. That ball. was wild. But the JJ catch, I watched it three times and I thought it was intercepted every single and time. Yeah, still, I, you I still sit there and the, go, how did he end how, up with that How did it ball? not hit the ground? There's, how did he corral there's it? There's a still image of him with his hand on the ball first and then the other guy's two, two hands, hands around the ball. And, and you're like, okay, if you just saw that, you'd be like, shoot, and, that ball was picked off. And then later in the drive when, you know, it was making me frustrated that we weren't running the ball on first down or not getting any yards on first down. It was it just seemed like it was second uh, and 10 every time and then third and long. And then, you know, we got bailed out on a couple of fourth downs back to back. But Justin Jefferson coming up with that clutch catch down at the two yard line, which then led to whatever the, you know, uh, frustrations that Moving we were the talking chains about. Backwards. Yeah. But, you know, Kirk made the throws when it mattered. Justin Jefferson made the catches when it mattered. And most importantly, I don't think anyone's saying our defense is elite, but we had we got the turnovers when it Chris, mattered do most. Do you remember the question that was asked to you? No, yeah. yes. not at Are all. Are you confident yeah. about no, no, the no, 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 no. I, no. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Give me a scale on one to ten. One to I ten. So Super excited. Bowl contender. One to ten. Super Bowl contender. Eight and a half. Eight and a half. Jack, I before I ask you the same mm-hmm. question, yeah. I think that the Vikings are very interesting because. They're a team that, in my opinion, like when you start to see a team roll like this, they're normally very young. I think that this is a very short window for you guys to potentially make a run at this thing because yeah. a lot of the guys on the defensive end are are very old. Well, not only that, but but Kirk Cousins is even kind of good. He's 34, I believe, now, mm-hmm. and that's when a lot of quarterbacks kind of start to hit that end of their career. Um, and, and beyond that, like it's already showing. Kirk is not playing to the level he played in – a worse system for him last year and years prior. Uh, he's in an offensive pass-heavy system, and he's struggling more than before. Now, there could be a lot of things that go into that. You know, they're asking him to do more, so maybe that's why he's throwing more interceptions and whatever. But they're still, you know, he's he's not what he once was. I kind of agree with you that unless some big changes happen, their window's short unless they find the quarterback of the future, unless they find... Unless Lewis Seen is a true replacement to Harrison Smith, uh, unless you can find some younger guys to fill that linebacking core that has a lot of older players on it, unless you can actually start to find some cornerbacks once Patrick Peterson stops playing out of his mind, like you're totally on par with that. And yet, I still don't know that this is a Super Bowl winning team. I am nervous, and and confidence on. Confidence on making a Super Bowl is probably at a seven. I I think that this team is 
is one of the most exciting teams I've I've watched since 2015 when they had the Minneapolis Miracle, and which which with Case Keenum they were just always shocking you. Since 2009, when Brett Favre was lighting it up for them, and beyond that, this is the most exciting team, and. Each of those years ended in disappointment. It's a very Vikings thing to end in disappointment. And as much as the NFC is the easier conference to get through, I have trouble seeing them getting past the Eagles. I was just going to say everything you just said. My prediction was going to be about a 7 for the rating, and then I was going to say they're going to lose in the playoffs to a team like the Eagles. Exactly. Because that's usually what happens. So I actually think that I have a higher... um, I, I th- I'm more confident in the Vikings than I think any of you really? are. Than me? Yeah. I wow. Think that, I think that, like, looking through the NFC right now, they're, the Eagles and the Vikings are 1A, 1B. Yeah. And when you match these two teams up, I think that— The Eagles smoked them week two. It's week two. What did we just talk about 30 minutes I ago? Guess, the the start of the year does not really matter. I, I don't yeah, think. But it's the NFL, NFL, again, NFL is a little different. That's a short season. You have to be on your game from start to finish. The reason I say it's a short season in the NFL is not because of like the level of play. I think the level of play consistently goes up if you have good chemistry, which the Vikings have. Yeah. It just is record-wise. Like yeah, If you have a good enough matters. record to make the playoffs. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I think that the Vikings-Eagles game— if they make the NFC Championship and that is the game, I think that the Vikings have a very, very good chance to win that game, and you guys could potentially see a Super Bowl. I would love it. I mean, obviously. I want to push back on that a little bit because the Eagles did blow them out, and like Jack was saying, even though it's week two, I I don't think that matters because every single team in the NFL is built up of pros. It's not like college where week two doesn't matter and it's a bunch of guys who are just going to be college players. So I think that... um, preview right there the Eagles Vikings might happen again in the playoffs and I know the Vikings beat the Bills yeah but I don't know we gotta see how Philly plays the rest of the year because they've just looked so dominant that I don't know if they're gonna be able to beat that I okay my only concern not with the Vikings because I'm very high on the Vikings right now and a little bit too high um the Eagles I think they got too hot too early um, like the Cardinals last year? Yeah, like the Cardinals. There's potential okay. there. Interesting. Like, potential there. The the Eagles, I'm not going to say they're not a top-tier NFC team, but I don't think they, in the playoffs, can compete with the likes of the Chiefs and the Bills, maybe even the 49ers if they put it together, maybe even if the Vikings if they get hot at the right time. Also, weak schedule. The Eagles started the year with the Lions, Vikings, Commanders, Jaguars, Cardinals, Whoa. Cowboys. The Jaguars are a good team, according to you two. <laughs> well, okay. The Jaguars Steel- are an Steelers, improving team. Steelers, Texans, Commanders again. Then they play the Colts next week. Then they play the Packers. Then the Titans, the Giants. That'll be a tough okay. one. Bears, Cowboys again, Saints, and Giants. There are maybe okay. two games there that I think, maybe three, will be tough. Which... My point, I'm pulling out my pocket calendar for the uh, pocket <laughs> schedule for the uh, Vikings here. Um, I think it's, I mean, okay. The NFC North does not have the record to show how they're playing right now. The the Bears offense looks so good with Justin Fields playing well. We'll touch on that later. The, the Lions, two wins in a row. Offense looks good. The Packers won today. 
I think down the stretch, playing a good Dallas defense next week, New England, who has an elite defense on Thanksgiving, playing the Jets, who won against the Bills last week, who are, I mean, they look good. Uh, Detroit, uh, the Giants, Green Bay, and Chicago. Down the stretch, those are tough games, but for the playoffs, those games are going to matter, just having that experience of, I think, playing close games, whereas if the Eagles, let's say, either, you know, they continue their head of steam and really finish off the season strong, at the come playoff time, they're not going to have experience playing in close games where the Vikings, that's all they're doing. Mm. Interesting. I want to give you guys a little bit more hope as Vikings fans here. I think that when I look at an Eagles team, I've never been huge on Jalen Hurts. Well, I, obviously he's proving everybody wrong. He's very good. I've this always, year. Yeah, I love Hurts. I've always been big on him, and he's proven it finally. For sure. he That locker room seems like one that is very, very good when they're winning. Yeah. And I'm not saying—I I don't hope that they lose. I actually— they were very fun to watch. Mm-hmm. However, if they get a couple losses going, I just don't know how that locker room is going to react. Yeah. And the Vikings are led by older vets. Zadarius Smith, in my opinion, is the biggest ad you guys could have Absolutely. made. Absolutely. And he's been awesome this year. He has. He was a godsend for the Packers locker room. They should have won a Super Bowl in yeah. that time period, but they yeah. didn't. You know, whatever. Um, TJ Hawkinson just got there. You know, there's so many moving parts that I really don't feel like week two against the Eagles yeah. shows how good this team is now. And, okay. you know, after Chris brought up the scheduling thing, that actually does kind of change my mind a little bit. I feel like the Vikings do have a better chance in that aspect now because playing actual playoff teams during the regular season is shown that it actually helps teams. Yeah, because absolutely. let's talk about that Steelers team a couple years ago that – Oh, everyone was like high on them. They played absolutely nobody in the regular season. And yeah. first game of the playoffs, they lose to Cleveland after losing them the week prior because they didn't play any playoff teams besides them, really. So Yeah, There's, that's a good point. That, and I really like the point that Nolan brought up about uh, about that locker room. Another person I wanted to add is Jordan Hicks, who they signed this offseason. Former captain on the Cardinals defense, solid veteran. He's leading the team in tackles this year. And it's just another... It's just another big veteran who can bring playoff experience, bring uh, leadership to the team. And I, to your point, I, the one thing I didn't think about prior is you got you got film on the Eagles now. That was week two. You got a lot to work with on the Eagles. It's very time. hard, in my opinion, to beat any team twice in a year. Absolutely. The Vikings oh, have that NFL on their side. Especially. Especially, especially the two, two of the best teams in the league. I mean— um, it's one thing to beat the Lions twice, but it's it's another thing to unless you're the Bears. Then one the Packers beat you twice every year. <laughs> one thing I come back and think about with the Vikings Eagles game early earlier in the year, that's week two of a new system under Absolutely. Kevin O'Connell. And, Things and look and better a new now. Defensive system yep, under new Ed defensive system, and then I believe we went zero for four in red zone appearances in the second half against the Eagles. Zero points out of four trips. That's pretty terrible. Which it has something to do with the new system. Um, and I, I think it'd be different if we played them again. I'm not saying we will. I'm not saying the Eagles are going to be – I'm not even going to say we're going to make it that far. We're going to take it one week at a time. But it's just something to think about of, you know, just you – can't, you can't predict everything yeah. in the NFL just 
if you've played them once. I love the innocence of Vikings fans ta- trying to w- tiptoe around the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, no, you no, like, no. Oh, so, I don't want to talk it's about so, it. It's so funny. I was just about to say, like, I, as it's the Minnesota sports fan in me that is so, like, I'm so giddy about this team because they're finally look like like to have an eight and one start as a Vikings fan is so awesome, but like. I'm so used to disappointment you know in the playoffs, in the and closet. you just right. You're just like, I, you know what? I know it's gonna. I know I'm gonna get so excited. I'm gonna let my guard down as I always do, and then I'm gonna get crushed in the that, playoffs that is, again. That is the Vikings. We had man. A, you guys uh, are describing the Milwaukee Brewers. Oh we had God. a mini moment even this afternoon. You know, fumble recovery out of nowhere in the end zone. Greg Joseph can't make an extra point to oh, make it a four-point game. We haven't even talked about that. If Josh Allen doesn't fumble that ball, you, this is an L today. Yeah. 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 Wow. Or okay. crazy. That could have. Well, it could. Initially, I thought it was a, a safety. It could have been a safety. It could, you know, but but then they would have had to get the ball back and had to drive down and score in forty-something seconds. Yep. Which also the the Bills almost did themselves. We let them. Get all the way down to like the twenty, and then we're saved by an interception at, at the goal line. But even worse, the NFL didn't review that. No, the Gabe Davis catch, catch was for Gabe Davis. Yeah. Rough. They were just they just wanted the Bills to win that one. Well, well, they, okay, they, wanted, okay. they wanted good television. Yes, yeah. and I don't think I, in my opinion, that was the game of the year so far in the season. Yeah. Oh yeah, this that game was least, incredible. It was it's but, the second half. Yeah, great. Great second half of if, the year. <laughs> if our defense didn't come up with those timely turnovers, we wouldn't have won that game today. Uh, they would have been. A, I was so close to calling it a blowout when we were down 17 late in the third. Yeah, but you know our defense got two interceptions in the end zone. Uh, we had Devin Singletary fumbled uh, in Vikings territory in the first half, and Josh Allen fumbled in the end zone, which led to points. Yep. So. And, just to wrap a bow on this one, can I just ask you guys, what? who's your top three in the NFC? In any order or just? just one? one, two, three. Eagles, one, two, three. one. Vikings, two. Three, that's a tough one. I think it's a no doubt three in my mind. Who? 49ers. I agree. That's okay. my exact three. Oh, interesting. I got it. You know what? Let me, give me a minute. Bredo, think on it. Let me look at this. I would say Eagles, Vikings, Giants. Just Giants. Yeah. You're, Okay. Well, yeah. The only thing, who who do the Giants throw to if they're down late in the game? Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> um, God, I don't know. I don't think it's mattered too much, honestly. They're still seven and two. Saquon so. is the offense, it's not the yeah, Seahawks. Forty exactly. Niners are four and four. Yeah, it's Eagles, Vikings, and Giants. I think it's got to be Eagles, Vikings, and Giants, and that just shows. How weak the NFC is, in my opinion. Wow, I I agree with Chris one hundred percent that it's Eagles, Vikings, Niners. Their defense, looks, defense looks. They good. might not even get so out of the NFC West if they can't get okay. out of the NFC West. They might not even make the, the playoffs. The Seahawks lost today in Germany. Geno Smith looks unreal this year for okay. whatever reason. But their team is young. They have Kenneth Walker as RB one, which. He's good, but he's young. They lost in Germany. Tariq, we we did, talked about this. Did Kenneth though. Walker play? Did he get his passport? Oh, he, he, wait, did, play today. he did play. He played today. They lost overseas, which we just talked about. That you can't, you can't like judge a team off of how they played okay. overseas because okay, okay, there's okay, so okay. much else that feeds into that. So I just, I just, I, this is the perfect time that this could have happened. 
uh, you guys are just talking about. We were just talking about how you guys tiptoe around the playoffs. My dad just texted me. You know, we're avid Packers fans. Two words: Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, you're that's that's a, that's a bit of a stretch. I'm a, you know what? I just, I just thought there's, it was funny. There's, I had the, to, there's, I the, the, there's the overconfidence of the Packers fans, though. You know, <laughs> well, uh, we won't tiptoe. They'll yeah. Back, back to the game in, in Germany. Apparently today the um. The crowd there was one of the most insane NFL crowds like all year. They were like Bills singing. Mafia. They were they sang. Uh, oh, sorry, Take Me Home Country Roads, yeah, I yeah. believe. And yeah, yeah, wild. And it's just crazy because it's like there's no football over there, and they just apparently love it. Morris, there is some... football there. Moritz Boringer. You remember Morris Boringer? Yeah, the tight end yes, that the Vikings yeah. drafted late in the. There's a there's a small league in Germany that that and the the Vikings had an old tight end from there but but yeah Never it's not big out. it's not big in I, Germany. I saw something on twitter where fans were storming the field an hour after the game ended wait what yeah there are I guys jumping i love it onto the field an hour after the game but that's awesome but yeah. moving on better um, than jags fans probably boys i'm gonna leave this up to you do we want to talk about uh we didn't get to talk much about the trade deadline and their impacts two weeks ago do we want to talk about that do we want to talk about Jeff Saturday getting his first win as a head coach. Yeah, I, I have some stuff to say about the Jeff Saturday. Yeah, thing. let's hear it. He's so, never coached ever. I was going to say, you know, going from uh, a new head coach with the Vikings guy to Jeff Saturday winning his first game here. Yeah. Um, I kind of like that he won because it's going to get a lot of analysts talking. And today, before the game was even played, a bunch of analysts were just already ripping on him. It was guys that he used to work oh, with yeah. like a week and a half ago. And yeah. it's like, I feel like. They How wanted they wanted to say he was bad just because they had something wrong with him at work because they were like really ripping into him and I know he's only coached high school and he only went 3 and 7 with them but he knows the Colts system so well from playing there that I didn't think it was going to be as bad as a lot of people were saying but yeah, it's only one game, so we'll still have to see I thought see it was going to be terrible. But... Also the wild loss in a shootout to the Sharks. Gross. Yeah, just just saw that with Chris. Ugh. He was just not excited about that. Well, yeah, you know that frustrates me. So I, I, this is this is very ping pongish, but I just would like to get your guys' temperature check on the wild at the moment. Uh, I'm nervous, cautious, cautiously optimistic, which Cautious. is Agreed. a very Minnesota sports fan thing. But it's still early hey. in the year. Flurry looks a lot better. Uh, they need to get healthy. They have so many injuries Greenway. right now. They they, Greenway's hurt. Hartman's hurt. Duhame's hurt. And they just finally got Felino back. And it's like, they, they just got to get healthy. They did, they did gain a point in the shootout. So yep. Yep. not yep. all is lost there. Not, yeah, I, I'll take it over a loss. Um, back to Saturday really quick. His, he, his play caller was the assistant quarterback's coach, and he's never called plays in his life. I, it's just, I I'm, I was with all the people ripping on him. I was like, what kind of what kind of hire is this? Like, I get it's interim. I get you put the interim tag on him, but just just none of it. No, it is none a of it. Hire. Make, none yeah. of it makes sense in in the world of the NFL. No no team does that kind of stuff. I, I kind of like it. You know, Colts I, right now. Yeah, sure. Th- with their current position. They're not going to do anything. Yeah, it can't get worse. It's, yeah, right. it's not gonna, it can't enough. get worse. Fair enough. And if it is terrible, high draft pick. Yeah, good. If good it gets them. good, they found their himself. They found a head coach that's a good locker room guy, has history with the Colts, and you know what? Let's see how the season plays out with Matt Ryan or Sam Ellinger at quarterback, which Matt Ryan ended up starting today. I it's a no loss situation where, you know, 
who cares if it doesn't work? Because you can find yourself a head coach and in the more publicity season. too for that. Yeah, literally. Like, here's where it's a loss for me. Mm. Why is it beneficial to bring to keep a guy in the system? I don't. The Colts, since having Andrew Luck, who was a generational talent, have been terrible. And for some reason, they think that the fix is within the current system that they have, and a guy, not even just within the current system you have, but a guy who has not succeeded or had enough experience coaching a team within that system. It's like, I just, I don't quite understand. Bringing in analysts didn't work for the Raiders and Gruden and Mayock. Like, that wasn't a good, that that didn't, clearly didn't go well. And I don't know that the Colts system is a very good one. I uh, just, I... I think that you're overlooking the uh, the Peyton Manning Jeff Saturday days. He okay. Wa- he was there when they almost had a perfect season. Yes. And this almost could be a move to try and get Peyton involved somehow. Not maybe yeah, a quarterback, I agree. but or I mean, it could be a quarterbacks coach, not just the head coach, and he'll be doing the play calls. It'll kind of be Some like reckless speculation right there. Well, yeah, I like I see, Saturday I like could be like the scapegoat too if it's not going well yeah, while exactly. Manning's there, and they can move him up to the head coach. Too. I also think that. This was an awesome hire because I don't think it's a I think it's a win win for the Colts. If the Colts begin to win, all of a sudden God, you too. <laughs> yeah, Chris and I are on with it. We're on one. If the Colts begin to win, wow, this is a great hire. You know, you hire somebody in house. He was around when they were a very good team. Maybe bring the culture back. If he's bad, wow, the Colts haven't had the same quarterback in six years yeah. now since Andrew Luck. Yeah. We just got CJ Stroud. Yep. Sure. Sure. You know, yeah. Like, I, I just don't see how this is a lose for the Colts. I understand where people are starting to say, well, you're playing with fans' emotions when you are doing a reckless, when you have a reckless hire, such as somebody who's never coached collegiately or in the NFL. However, I thought it was an awesome hire. Yeah. Are we expecting a Steve Nash scenario here where it's just going to like ruin the team? It's a guy who's been in the league but hasn't actually that's coached the, before. That's the other thing is like there's, there's this automatic trust for former players uh to become something great and uh, i don't know there's there's a big difference in being a coach and being a player and just because you were an nfl player doesn't mean that you're going to transition that well onto the field it works for some uh kellen moore for the cowboys obviously is is he almost got head coaching positions this this past year he's a career backup quarterback kevin o'connell who we were just talking about he was a backup quarterback Vrabel, in the NFL as well. yeah a lot of them were quarterbacks. A lot of them because that you have to know the full system for that. Okay, I I would love to see this this story be a success. I just think it is it's a bit of a bizarre one. And the other Definitely. the other problem is if this doesn't go well, and you do end up playing bad, you may have just cut ties with Saturday. You may what? have he he might be on to the next thing then, and suddenly he's not a part of that team. He could have been someone you kept around more at, at a lower position and then moved from there. But now if things don't work out like that, it, coaching in the NFL is brutal. Je- Jeff Saturday wasn't working for the Colts when he got hired as the coach. I thought he was doing he, some some stuff within the organization, like not in a I coaching I think it was sense. very minimal, though. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he might have been involved in organization, whatever. Okay. Very lightly. If Jim Irsay's point, which no one you're mentioning— if the season turns out to be a bust, Jeff Saturday doesn't work out, they can bring in a new staff 
who can get the quarterback they like and build from there where mm-hmm. they already have pieces on the offensive line. They already have pieces on the defense. Build around that, and they have their guy. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they have Jeff Saturday, things work out. Jim Ursay looks like a genius bringing in a culture guy from, you know, I wouldn't call it a dynasty, but the Colts' heydays of Peyton Manning. And just it's an out-of-the-box hire that, you know, is really, you know, who cares what happens at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. You also have, I just wanted to bring this up, you also have Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, and Jonathan Taylor. Exactly. Who are all very young. Very young and, team, yeah. I mean, in three yeah. years, if they can get the correct quarterback in the draft, we're looking at a potential high-explosive offense. And the Colts' offensive line has, for the last 10 years, pretty much been a top-five offensive line in the NFL. Not this year. And, they and look, for whatever no. reason— it's been bad, so really why don't you just pieces. bring in your best offensive lineman yeah. ever? Yeah, that's a that's a good point. You guys make some good points on that. Yeah. Um, last real quickly, last few minutes here. Um, I wanted to to throw it over to Nolan. Um, Nolan has has something he really wants to talk about from a few weeks ago. So I was I was kind of kidding, but I am very happy that we are bringing this up. We were talking about our NBA. MVP picks, yeah. and I think I just picked the GOAT, Luka Doncic. <laughs> First player since Wilt Chamberlain to score 30-plus points in nine games in a row. I would like to open this up to the panel. <laughs> Is Luka Doncic the best player in the NBA? Q Braden saying no, it's Giannis. <laughs> Somebody else can go first, then. <laughs> um, uh, okay, God. best player in the NBA right now. Statistically, yes. Overall, no, I agree that it is Giannis. I, however, yeah, you have to you have to take an account more than scoring for the best player. This was in exactly the NBA. my point. And 34, not say- 34.3 points per game, eight point seven rebounds per game, eight point one assists per game, two steals a game, point seven blocks per game. He's shooting thirty percent from three and fifty percent from the field at per one hundred possessions for the Mavericks, the slowest team in the league. Luka Doncic is averaging 50 points per 100 possessions. That's insane. Yes, it is. But I, I agree. It's statistically, he's the best player in the league right now. But his defense is not as good as Giannis's. Exactly. And it's not. I know you brought up the steals too, but that's it, not all defenses. There's like tipped passes. There's just yeah. presence in the lane yeah. with keeping guys out and I'd contesting argue, shots. I'd argue, I would argue that steals. Is one of the least important stats in the in that that is that is looked at you know when when people look at stat lines, a steal makes for two to three points a game if that well I mean per steal, I mean the amount of points that you can get off of rebounds that the rebounds is definitely the number two assists definitely number three in my mind I would definitely look at who has the best who scores the most rebounds the most. And has the most assists, and I think that's probably going to have to go to Giannis. I, I mean, I agree with you. I just, when we look at somebody who has as high of a usage as Luca does, the Mavericks are Luca. And I, I already brought up the JJ Redick podcast, but I'm going to bring it up again. He was talking about how isolation basketball really isn't working in the NBA today. However, the Mavericks are doing it so beautifully, where Luca can draw multiple defenders, and he's such a good basketball mind that he understands who to kick it out to 
It's just the Mavericks are either isolation Luka, get a bucket, or Luka draws defender, zip, 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 three ball, then they score. Yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say Luka isn't unreal. I mean I mean Luka Doncic is a generational talent, a, a generational scorer. Uh, in a very different way that, like, Steph Curry is a generational st- scorer. Steph Curry is a generational three-shooter. Luke is a generational scorer. And you, you, can't, you can't ignore that fact. But I think if you're looking at overall players, I, I think it's got to go to someone like Giannis who can do it all. You know? I, 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 I just want to bring it up one more time. I 100% agree with you guys that it is Giannis. However, I just think that it's so interesting how extensively the Mavericks are Fully maximizing Luca's potential this year. Do we think that's going to work in playoffs? So no, I don't think no. it will work in the playoffs. The Western because, Conferences but, is so insanely. And he's deep. exerting himself so hard to do this that when it comes to playoff time and teams are trying harder, that I can't see it like sustaining. But no. for the MVP case, it's spot it's spot on. Yeah. Oh I don't, yeah. I don't think there's any doubt right now that he's the front MVP. Timer. Is not is they've, not who the best overall player is. No, no. I mean, it's, they, they've been wanting Luca to be MVP for like three years now. So yeah, he's at, this is a perfect opportunity for them to get to him. Well, in the reigning, Jokic is having a down year as of now. He's not. His numbers are not where they were last year. That would make it three European players in a row to win MVP. Yeah, wild. Giannis, yeah. That Giannis, is, Jokic, and that's Luka. wild. I never thought about that. Yeah. Five years too. That's crazy. Dominating the league right now. Kind of crazy. Wembenyama, so it makes his his draft even <laughs> better. Wembenyama is not going to win the MVP as well. I'm saying no. European players looking good lately. Oh, you know, yeah. Taking yeah. the league by storm yeah. is what it is. Just kind of um, bouncing off of that. Who's the best U.S. prospect? Is it Mikey right now? No, Mikey it's, Williams? it's um, Scoot Henderson. Scoot Henderson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He does look very good. Got 30 seconds left, boys. Any closing comments? For, for the show tonight. Uh, Mikey Williams is going to college next year, so he's awesome. at, yeah. That should be a good time. Uh, uh, just a little bit of a plug. Um, Chris and I will be beginning a podcast next week called Random Time with Chris and Nolan, right. which right. will be hosted by Jack Frederick. Moderated by myself. Sorry. I mean, Bredo, I guess you could join if you really wanted I, I, to. I'd be interested to see Pop <laughs> in a little bit. So, yeah. so you guys are going to need to tune in a little bit earlier than usual to hear these beautiful voices. Ain't oh, yeah. That the truth. But anyways, thank you for listening. I hope you have a great rest of your night.